Ava Hartling. Welcome back to the Brightest Female Podcast. This week, my guest is Alexis Asianus, founder of Silvering, the first North American beauty brand to provide cosmetics and hair care uniquely designed to amplify the true beauty of naturally silvering hair. This season of our podcast is brought to you by TD Bank Group Women in Enterprise. TD helps women in business achieve success and growth through its program of educational workshops, financing, and mentorship. Visit thebrandisfemale.com slash podcast and follow the link to find out how TD can help you. Are you ready to be inspired and connected? I'm really excited to share that we have officially launched the Brandis Female Conversation Series. Come and join us for a monthly conference that's changing the game in Montreal, Vancouver, and Toronto. Engage with fellow women thought leaders, innovators, and visionaries. Get ready for insightful discussions and powerful networking opportunities presented by TD Women in Enterprise. Don't miss out on this opportunity to elevate your career and your network. Visit our website, go to the events section, and secure your spot today. I can't wait to meet you in person. Leveraging over 30 years of experience in the beauty and fashion industry, including a decade as an international model, as well as her own experience trying to find beauty products that work for her silver hair, Alexis has created a truly innovative and contemporary range of products. A woman who truly believes that wisdom is beautiful, she's building the brand with the mission to change the way all women see silvering hair, to view it as inspirational and chic. Here is my conversation with Alexis Asianus. Alexis, it's a pleasure having you on The Brand is Female today. Thank you so much for making time to speak with me. I'm so happy to add to your tapestry. And I'm excited to add your your story to uh, our, our wonderful roster of women who share their stories. Um, and as you know, if you've listened to a, to a few episodes, I like to start by going back in time with guests. And I want to ask, growing up, what were you imagining as a as a career for yourself later in life? What kind of professional future were you envisioning? And what steps did you take uh, to go down that path uh, first? And then we'll get into the next chapters of your journey, because we typically have multiple chapters to our professional stories. And it's funny because you're asking somebody who's in her 50s, right? So it's like, well, let's go back and rewind, rewind. Um, Different times when I was growing up in the 1970s, you know, the late 70s, we didn't have, um, you know, career aspirations the same way that I think kids now have. Um, I, you know, if if you could see it, you could be it. You know, that's basically how how all of us grew up. So it's like, you want to be a teacher, a doctor, you know, this was, these were your, your options. Um, I think as a kid, I was more, uh, live in the moment, right? I was just excited to wake up every day. I still am, um, and see the world, right? So this was, this was my, my, um, my outlook. It was never career minded. I was never one to be pushed into school, even though I had teachers, parents, um, and it was it was more about finding yourself. So um, when I was very young, here's here's another thing about the, the different times. Um, my grandfather, old Eastern European, um, he believed that women could only be successful in this like times have changed um, if they were good at math or tennis. 
<laughs> right. What so a combo. He, I know what I'm like, huh. So he took me to the schoolyard and, and we, we hit a tennis ball uh, against the wall and I was terrible. And I, I want to say it's kind of very IBM and very 80s, like very, you know, early <laughs> 80s culture. <laughs> right. Yes. But it, that was successful for anybody. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it was funny. So I was terrible at tennis and he came home and he told my dad, well, I hope she's good at math. Um, I luckily I was very good at math. I skipped skipped a grade into high school and, um, and I was, I was good at things, but Mm -hmm. I I wasn't, you know, passionate about anything. Um, and in my 11th grade, I was discovered, you know, as a model and, uh, and off I went, like for me, I was just ready to see the world. Mm -hmm. And given that opportunity, I was like, I'm not interested in going, going to university for no reason. And because I knew I was paying my way, Mm. uh, my parents were, you know, they told us very, very much ahead of time, like you, we will not be paying for university. So make sure you're, you save up if you, if you're planning on going, you save up that you find something that you want to do. Um, so this was a great opportunity and I just left, you know, 10 years, like, you know, traveled the world for 10 years and, um, oh, it was fantastic. Like what a different kind of education. Yeah, for sure. And I'm, I'm curious to ask you, through that experience, uh, what kind of role models were around you? And I mean, there's, and it, it sounds like it was a, you know, an amazing experience for you and a, and, a, and a learning experience at the same time. We know there's also a dark side to the fashion industry, especially with, with younger women being recruited, but it yeah. can be a, a very positive experience. So I'm curious to know who were, you know, who kind of shaped your, your idea of, you know, role models and sources of inspiration when you, when you got to enjoy that wonderful experience. Well, these were the 90s. So, of course, everybody's aspiration in the 90s was to be a supermodel. (laughs) Um, I quickly learned that I was not supermodel material, and that's okay. Um, But my agency... Just just one one step below super. Yeah, just one. Yeah, maybe a couple. But what I did realize in my agency, I I was with Elite, um, they really kind of explained um, kind of the system of modeling. Mm -hmm. And the system of modeling is that you want to make money. Now, in order to make money in modeling, most of the money is made doing catalogs. Right. That, that's for like the second and third tier. If you're not a supermodel, mm-hmm. if you're a supermodel, you can just, you know, the $10,000, don't get out of bed. Right. Yada, yada. <laughs> um, but for the rest of us, uh, it's catalogs. So, for example, the cover of Sportcheck or Spiegel was $5,000. The cover of L 500 mm. You're like, hmm. Wow. But one brings you so much more visibility, which is very ironic. Right. And so that was the circuit. You go places where you bring up your editorial and you show your editorial to get the the catalog Mm. jobs. So once I kind of figured that out, again, um, maybe that was like an early hint to entrepreneurship. I don't know. Um, I figured, okay, I can do this as a business. Like I can do this and uh, see the places that I want to see in the world. I had a an amount of money that I wanted in my bank account. Um, uh, and I rode that wave and it was fantastic. Um, I learned languages, saw the world, um, but also got a very interesting education in beauty. So I can say that my beauty roots started, started there like way, way, way back in grade 11 and working with the best hair and makeup artists in the world, um, photographers, um, and also seeing how different beauty is mm. in different places in mm-hmm. the world. 
you know, what is considered beautiful in North America, yep. which was something, you know, Glamazon was very different in, say, Japan, you know, mm-hmm. where kawaii, you know, being very cute was much better than being beautiful, mm-hmm. you know. So there were these different ideas of beauty, different ways of expressing different beauty. Standards. But, uh, yeah, but the standards, there were always standards, <laughs> make no mistake. Yeah. And that must have been yeah. also an amazing education on kind of the business behind fashion and beauty and understanding how the how the industry works, who the players are. And, you know, at that time, yeah. I think there were a lot less independent beauty brands, at least maybe more in fashion. But today, there, it's, you know, the, the, the market is... Um, is making more space. Uh, you know, there's still the big players that own a, a big, a big chunk of the market, but we're seeing more indie labels be able to come out. Well, it's a different market right now as well, and it's a different business structure. Um, you you don't need to have an office building. You don't need to have your own private warehouse. You don't need to have, you know, all of this overhead that was once uh, very prohibitive. Yeah. Um, and now if you if you have the contacts and you know who does what and how this, the back end really works organizationally and operationally, mm-hmm. uh, you can do it on quite a budget. Like not yeah. a, I don't want to say a budget, but without without the kind of overhead that was necessary before. Yeah, you don't need to be Avon to run a beauty company. Right. And nor do you need like advertising dollars in order to be on television, exactly. right? So so that like the fact that we can have this conversation right yeah. now online, like that wasn't even fathom mm. 20 30 years Absolutely. ago. Um, so you, you were, you know, you did the, the modeling circuit for, you said about a, a decade, uh, yes, yeah. what came next and what, where, when, when did you realize you wanted to do something different? Um, I came back, I came back to, to Canada, like realizing that, um, Toronto is just a fantastic city, like, especially being, um, being exposed to the rest of the world. Toronto's got some fantastic things to say about for itself, um, multicultural, uh, very accepting, just a real um, uh, span of uh, of people getting along. And when you leave, when you leave Toronto and you come back, you realize how special that is. Um, so I came back to Toronto, and I had always been crafty. I'd always been good at math, good at sciences. Didn't know what I wanted to do, but then I discovered industrial design. Um, and for those who don't know what industrial design is, it's the design of um, anything that's mass produced. So anything from your glasses to to a mouse to a pen, anything that's that's manufactured for mass production has to be designed. So somebody has to design it, come up with the ideas, and and um, and make them. Uh, and once I realized that that was a career path, I was like, yes, that is that's what I want to do. So. Um, went to school. So I was a mature student, mature student, <laughs> um, <laughs> but i had already lived a life. Yeah. You know what I mean? So going back into school, it was different. I had to pay for it, which was fine at that point. Cause I had money and, uh, it meant something so much different going to school later in life, doing, you know, pursuing something that you really want to do. Um, and, uh, and I flew through it, just enjoyed it, listened to everything, just absorbed it like a sponge and then got into, got into industrial design. Now, industrial design is a career. You can go into many different, yeah. different fields. So like automotive design is industrial design, lighting, furniture, 
Um, but I wanted to go back into beauty. So I was able to take the industrial design and, and apply it to store design. So call it a point of purchase POP, but it's store design fixtures, uh, anything that surrounds the cosmetic, not the cosmetic itself, but when, when uh, brands are trying to sell their cosmetics into the retail space, they need to surround the cosmetics with kind of three-dimensional expression of their brand. So, um, and the business I was working for was probably one of the biggest companies that do retail display. Um, and it's a business to business business. So it's like, nobody's heard of it, Mm -hmm. but that's fine. Um, but I ended up getting to work with everybody from, uh, you know, cover girl to Chanel, um, Sephora to, um, to shoppers drug mart, like everybody in between. And that whole beauty world was just, it was very comfortable for me. Um, and then we get into, well, I mean, and then we can wait for your segue or I can segue you, right uh, into yeah, it. Yeah, go right into it. <laughs> Let's get it. to the interesting um, part. <laughs> so while I was working uh, at that company, um, I was, you know, maybe in my, in my 30s and my hair had started to silver and, um, and I decided to just let it go. You know, I was pregnant with my first child and I was going to stop like I'm like I just don't want to add the extra chemicals and so I let my hair go silver and it wasn't like always this this light it was like it's a gradual Mm -hmm. progression and what's really beautiful about that is that you get to see your hair Mm -hmm. change which is kind of you know for younger women do it um because it's it's a wonderful evolution Mm -hmm. and it but at that time I feel like it's a little more I mean we've seen kind of a trend almost of you know women accepting their their hair graying and going with it full on and and rocking it um it sounds like at that time that was a little bit before it was as trendy right you were probably one of the first to uh to make it a trend yeah this was 2008 um, and that was that was a long time ago. And I was also working in the beauty industry. So for me, it was like really important to look chic and put together um, at work. Uh, but I couldn't find products mm. that worked with my hair. And that was like for me, I was I was like, come on, you know, every product crossed my desk every product um, because we would have to design displays for them and, and rooms for them. And we, you know, of course, everybody tried the product um, and I, cu- I could find nothing. Um, and it was disappointing. So I had to, you know, a lot of trial and error, hunt and peck, and kind of a lot of compromises. Um, but at the time, there was nothing on the market for women with silvering hair besides, you know, a prescription of purple shampoo. Mm-hmm. And uh, fine. Just fine. That's what that's what we had. I was made in a different yeah. career. Yeah. Um, but then fast forward to COVID, right? And COVID, like you said, there was this, there's... Um, this uptake in um, the number of women who, you know, they stopped going to the salon for obvious course, and they stopped dyeing yeah. their hair and they were just like, you know what, if I'm ever going to do it, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to grow. I'm just going to let the, let the grow out happen. And what you don't know and what women who have let their hair grow out do know is the, there is an incredible feeling of freedom there's an incredible feeling of authenticity and um, so much more grows with the grow out. Mm. That's, it's not just self-acceptance, but it's a realization of like your relationship to beauty standards and why. And there are a lot of questions that slowly, because it is a slow process, get asked and answered. Um, but it feels wonderful. So there I was in COVID watching the world kind of 
go silver. And I was so excited. So I joined all of the groups, you know, all of the online chat groups and um, support groups. And I'm like giving advice where I can. And everybody's asking the same questions that I had asked when I was, when I was letting my hair um, gray, uh, you know, where, you know, what are the best eyebrow shades and why is my hair thinning and what's going on with this? And, that, and I was like, that's it. You know what? Somebody should do something about this. And I thought, you know, I, I, I know so many people in the industry. I've worked with other founders and I have the kind of connections that I could really lean on and I can use design thinking to like, let's solve this problem one, not once and for all, but like, let's, 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 let's start to started. address the, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, um, and so that's how Silvering was born. Love that story. Um, tell me more about what you decided to uh, create as far as your first product offering went. And was it at all? I mean, you had worked in beauty, which obviously helped. You know, you had the contacts, as you just said. But um, was it challenging, you know, creating kind of a, a completely new product, almost a new category uh, within the industry? Absolutely. Um, yes. And so it was difficult finding, like finding out how product manufacturing works. And then of course, during COVID trying to find product manufacturers. So there were logistical issues and there were, um, you know, like, how do we, how do we test product? How do we go about, you know, the act of creating products that are going to work? I found a manufacturer, um, narrowed it down to to one who's local so i can i was like mitigate the risk yeah. of international you know logistics issues um who were very well known in the industry had worked with some of the top brands so i was very comfortable with that they were they very much knew how to use uh clean formulations mm. and how to create those um and then we we got down to kind of creating a brief and and following through uh it was like i have nothing to compare it to so i can't say like oh you know 30 years ago it was really hard it was hard but um but i didn't expect it to be easy and i'm i'm i've always been a hard worker and i'm i'm focused and i can i can make something happen how long did the process take from ideation to the product to being available to sell probably two years okay two years um yeah and i that that's what you want to expect um anybody who comes at it any sooner is probably using something called white labeling which is just like slapping a logo onto onto a pre-made product right now and this is like what we need as silvering women is definitely something different so we started Mm -hmm. off with eyebrows because eyebrows were my pet peeve um you wouldn't think that eyebrows are a thing but (laughs) <laughs> when your eyebrows don't match correctly, the rest of your hair, it's, it, it stands out like a yeah. thumb. Um, and women find that, especially when you're, when your hair lightens, I mean, you're blonde, Ava. So you, you kind of already have, you know, dark glasses. You figured out a way to kind of like bring the framing back into mm. your face, but eyebrows are very important. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, getting that right was was first. So we came up with a formulation that kind of checked all the boxes. I was like, what are the issues? We have, um, has to stay in place because a lot of women who are a little bit older have gone through the 70s and 80s and 90s and may have plucked a little bit too much. Yeah, you know? yeah. Surprise, surprise. Eyebrow Many of us have been there. Doesn't grow back, you know, yeah. as, as uh, amply as it once did. 
Um, so it has to stay in place. Um, mm. The color is incredibly important. So mm. uh, it has to be perfectly desaturated, not dead, not gray, because mm. your hair, you know, silvering it's, hair yeah. is, it's a combination of your a natural color and white. Um, and so getting the color right, the formulation right, so it stays in place, um, can be used wet or dry. So depending on what kind of finish you want, making sure there was a full-size brush that you could use, not these little tiny little things. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and a compact with a mirror, like with a real, right. mirror, real glass mirror that's not going to distort and um, that has a magnification because mm-hmm. a lot of us wear glasses. Yeah. And uh, it's very difficult to put eyebrows on when you have glasses on. So Absolutely. it was just these 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 little things, but bit by bit, like here's the brief. Let's make this work, and so we did, and that's our that's our bestseller. But that was our first release. This season of the Brandy's Female is made possible with the support of TD Women and Enterprise, and they're about confidently building you. As a woman entrepreneur myself, I know I need all the support I can get. It takes sound advice plus guidance to the right connections, tools, and resources. What's great about TD Services for Women in Business is their collaborative approach. TD can facilitate and connect you to workshops, coaching, and mentorship, and to engage other like-minded business leaders in an authentic way so we can share experiences and learn from each other. TD Women in Enterprise has banking specialists who are able to be proactive in the advice and guidance they give to women in business. And what was the response from customers or I, I don't know if you work through any retailers or if you do direct to consumer only, but um, what was the feedback when the market, when the, when the product first came out? Five stars across the board. It's, mm-hmm. um, it's been, it's funny because a lot of my mentors, like people who have helped me in, in the industry, um, they're like, browse, really? Do you think anybody really cares? I'm like, they're, they're going to care really yeah, they're going to yeah. care. <laughs> um, and it was, it, for me, it was a, a, a bit of a validation that it's like, okay, you know, me and this group of women who, who have been um, helping me test, we're not alone. And uh, yeah. And it's, and it just kind of reinforced, reinforced this notion that, yeah, this we're on the right track. Um, and the rest of the products are also innovative in their own way. And um and address a very specific need that's just like there's a hole in the market. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, and I feel like it was around that time that um, the Lisa Leflamme, you know, incident yes. took place, which brought you know w- women's hair to the forefront of conversations yes. around ageism and yeah. uh, just well and gender bias too, because. It's, it's as if men are welcome to go gray at any point, you know, we, and we have very positive terms to kind of celebrate a man yes. turning gray, a silver fox, mm-hmm. uh, you know, salt and pepper. Yeah. And for women, it's been forbidden for yeah. what it seems like ever. And then we got a reminder of that when Lisa Laflamme lost her job, uh, apparently because some execs could not tolerate her hair turning gray and her being on air with gray hair. It got the conversation um, going didn't it it did Um, yeah well it's interesting because our our brand mission is to change the way all women see silvering hair um, to see it as aspirational and chic because it can be um and and that's what's missing um there's so there's so much women women we have it so hard sometimes um but 
this this idea I was talking about, if you can see it, you can be it, right? And there's something missing in the beauty aisles. And that mm-hmm. is that is representation of women with silvering hair. Mm-hmm. And it's not just representation. So representation, not just in imagery. So using models, I think that's fantastic. It's a great mm-hmm. start. But actually making products mm. for women with silvering hair that solve yeah. their challenges, like that is representation on the be- in the beauty aisles. Mm. Um, so our aspiration absolutely is going to be to be in store with imagery that is going to yeah. help women and young women and young girls see that dyeing your hair is not your only option. Exactly. Right? It's an option. Absolutely. But it's yeah. not your only option because what happens is, you know, I think we all, you know, when, when we're kids, we color our hair. We're like, oh, I'm going to be pink. I'm going to be blonde. I'm yeah. be blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know, we've all had every color under the rainbow. But at a certain point, um, and it's usually, you know, in in a woman's 30s, it stops being fun and it becomes this 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 pursuit of chasing your roots, chasing them. Oh, I can't mm, I can't mm. go to this event unless I cover my I can't do that. Mm. Oh, I have to go to the salon before I can do X, Y, and Z. And it ends up being a just kind of it stops being fun. Yeah. You know? Um, and I feel like that's the point where there's an opportunity and we can see it. So here's another thing. Like you can see that the, that the, the tides are turning. Um, not like everybody's just going to let their hair silver naturally, but there's a start of a, of a movement. There is. We can, and we can say that the average age that a woman starts to silver, I guess is. I know it's probably younger than we think. 35, hmm. 35. And that's like a lot of women, as soon as they hit puberty, start going silver and are and are right. covering it and then of course some women you know never never go gray and that's that's like it's just genetics right <laughs> DNA, <laughs> great yeah. great living i don't know um but on average 35 and if you take a look at the uh at kind of the the demographics right now the average the median age of the millennial is 35 mm-hmm. now these are women who have already made their mark on the beauty industry. It was mm-hmm. the millennial women who insisted upon clean beauty, who yeah. made a point of looking for and asking for transparency, mm-hmm. um, who are very, very interested in, in body positivity. And now they're having children. And it's like, what are they telling their children with Absolutely. the choices that they're making. So again, here's another you know rise in, in the population of, of women who are like, yeah, you know what? This looks kind of awesome, and yes, it can be chic. And you see, and you see these women all over the internet. Thank you, internet. <laughs> Do you think because I think you know ageism is at play, and and yeah. you know, thankfully, if we're able to change the trend around women being more comfortable with turning gray and the world, mm-hmm. you know, accepting it. There's there's other examples in the in the beauty and fashion industry where where any sign of aging basically is an issue that you have to deal with rather than something to be celebrated and, and amplified. Um, so wrinkles, you know, um, obviously we, uh, you know, very, very powerful campaigns for, for Botox and treatments of yeah. the sort. And I think it's, and I think it's, you know, women can choose to do whatever they want and Absolutely. you can use Botox as part of your healthy aging strategy. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, but how, how much further do you think we have to go and what else needs to change in terms of beauty standards, in terms of being more inclusive and accepting of women aging? Well, I think it's, 
I think it's the responsibility of, of like a larger society. It's not just beauty. The beauty industry has one piece of the pie, Mm. but um, there's, there's an issue with ageism in the workplace, you know, where again, you'll see, you'll see men with silver hair and they're like, wow, he's really smart. You know, we can trust him. Um, Yeah. Seasoned expert. mm -hmm. (laughs) And, and women are not given, or they're starting to be given, but they, they Mm. haven't traditionally been given that, um, that perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's changing. And part of what we're doing is actually we're highlighting, uh, like as a brand in our Instagram, our Instagram feed, you'll see quotes. We do quotes every week of, uh, from incredibly wise women, um, who happen to have silver hair, um, and who have really important things to say and who have done really important things. Um, and I think celebrating that and, uh, decoupling silver hair from age and recoupling into Mm -hmm. wisdom and life Mm -hmm. lived. uh, That's, that's like, there's a little, there's a little piece of the puzzle that, that can be turned. Um, And that's part of, part of the work that we're doing, even (laughs) it's a really small piece, but you know, but if we can change the world in just that little way, like Mm -hmm. that's amazing, Mm -hmm. you know? And, what kind of message when it comes to marketing your brand and your product, what kind of message you find resonates well with women? And I think there's some women too who have, you know, we have that bias against gray hair. Many still choose to, you know, color their hair, cover their roots. Um, we've had the the founder of a, a supplements brand that basically targets um going great, you know, early and kind of, uh, I guess, I guess through, through supplements, yeah, yeah. exactly slows down the aging of hair, yeah. uh, basically. Um, but it's not really so, aging hair if 15 year olds are getting it. Exactly. Yeah. The, the narrative has to change, uh, around the phenomenon. But, um, so what do you find resonates when you're speaking to women or hearing from women? What's, what's the message that gets through? So, um, our, our tagline is wisdom is beautiful. I love that. That's it. It's very simple. Lots of periods in there because <laughs> statement, statement, statement. Um, but the messages that, I mean, that resonates, but again, I'm not, our, our customers, we're not asking people to stop dyeing their hair. Mm-hmm. Our customers are those who have already made that choice, right? And are looking mm-hmm. and are looking for products to to amplify their choice, the yeah. beauty mm-hmm. of their hair, mm-hmm. um, and that's what we do: we amplify the beauty. We've been hiding our grays long enough. Um, now it's time to let them shine. Mm-hmm. Um, so our our message is because it speaks again to to these women. These women already have; they already love their hair, mm-hmm. and like I said, so many things grow with that grow out. Um, that are so positive and so affirming that um, just letting women know that we're here to help them amplify the beauty of their hair is enough. You know, so we just we just speak to them on their level. Never dumb anything down because we're grownups. Um, our audiences, they're, they're already very, very positive about their hair and positive about the change. So we don't feel like we have to convince anybody right? When people are ready, they'll, 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 they'll find us. Mm. Tell me a little bit about your distribution model. Um, is it mostly straight to consumers? Are you planning on, on changing that? Yeah. And for anyone who is thinking of, you know, exploring, launching your brand in the beauty sector, 
often it seems like it's a very saturated industry, but I think for brands who find their niche and have a, a very, you know, specific and needed positioning, there seems to be room and you're, you're one of the examples. So I'd love to hear your outlook for, uh, you know, how, how do you approach your distribution model and what, what makes sense for you in terms of reaching your customers? So initially, so we launched direct to consumer. Um, we know that our, that our customer is online, but they're not necessarily on TikTok, but their kids are, or right. their grandkids are. So we can leverage social media in ways that are, um, a little bit more creative. Mm -hmm. Um, and our direct to consumer model has been really successful. So health and beauty right now, the benchmark conversion rate is around 2.93 and we are two or three times over that. Oh, that's great. And Congratulations. People who find us, they're like, there's, there's no comparison, you know, cause you yeah. know, when you're shopping, you're like, Oh, I like this, but what else can I get? That's yeah. similar. It's like nothing. You yeah, can yeah, get yeah. nothing yeah. <laughs> because nobody's doing it. Um, and, and our products are great. You know, so that's the other thing. It's not just mm -hmm. we're, we're a new vertical in the market. We are, creating fantastic products that um that have word of mouth and uh and then online we have we have a market that's quite engaged right mm -hmm. so there are a lot of a lot of the groups um and then our ad spend hasn't we have we haven't even started and it's all we're already um, doing very well we have a month on month 47.5 percent month on month um average increase in revenue so Amazing. again we're just doing so well so the only way to go is up and now we can mm -hmm. start investing in uh, more advertising getting into store and yes the the aspiration absolutely is is to go into retail because mm -hmm. that's that's where that's where we're going to find the next generation and that's where we'll be yeah. able to 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 really succeed at the mess at, at, at our mission which is to mm -hmm. change the way that all women you know and that's girls see see silvering hair mm, yeah love that and then and, yeah <laughs> <laughs> the market and your outlook for new brands that are trying to make their way into the industry i think um new brands coming in i i think any new new business i mean think any new business just has to find find their niche. Don't go into business just to, I, and uh, do whatever you want. But I would recommend <laughs> yeah. um, not going into business just to make money. Mm -hmm. Yeah, money money will come. But like, there's there's something about and I and I think this is something that you know, as you hit your fifties, you realize like fulfillment is important. Mm -hmm. um, loving your job is important. Mm -hmm. um, And I would say for anybody who wants to start a business in their 50s or, you know, 40s, 50s, 60s, beyond, um, you know, we have, we have in our tool, and I don't think we realize how many skills we have, mm. um, how many skills that we've honed over the years. And when you can find a way to, to use everything, use all of your skills, find out what you're good at leverage technology, leverage, you know, the, uh, definitely the technology that is out there right now. Um, get together with like, like-minded people, have a great idea. This is the, these, I think for women in particular are our most powerful years. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we've, our kids don't need day-to-day -day care. Our parents are, you know, getting older, but we're in a place of, of like, whoa, 
you know, we've gotten through so much that now is the time to really uh, take the bull by the horns and like mm-hmm. and do something. And to find fulfillment in your job is amazing. Amazing. So I, I wouldn't say it's necessarily for, for people in beauty, but anybody who's past a certain age looking to start a business and become an entrepreneur, you know, you are, you're skilled. You don't realize it, but, but take, take a, take a look at what you've got in your pockets and it's impressive. Mm-hmm. Well said. Um, and in closing, what would be, I mean, you've just shared some, some great advice in that answer, but if you had to sum up maybe, you know, three pieces of advice that proved really helpful to you, things that maybe you wish you knew when you started down the, the entrepreneurial journey, um, what would be, if you had to summarize all, all your great insights, what would be top three pieces of advice for fellow entrepreneurs? Um, first would be to love what you're doing like to really find a message find find your mission and really grab onto it and live it mm-hmm. like that mission is going to not only be your north star but it's going to align all of your all of your messaging all of your ideas as long as they can be checked against that mission and still work it helps you um, make decisions mm-hmm. the loving your job is is for fulfillment because this If you don't like it, <laughs> I have to say, if you don't like what you're doing, um, the hard days are going to be really, really hard. Right. Um, but I, I have to say, like, I've, um, I love what I'm doing. And those hard days are like, yeah, they're hard, but I'm like, that's okay, because I know I'm doing something great. Uh, and the third thing, yeah, I'm not sure I have a third. <laughs> um, oof, always be learning. You know, I know they Good say way. always be yeah. closing, you know, sales and that's important, but always be learning. Like there's, you don't know what you don't know. Mm. And, um, uh, just a huge believer in research, 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 keep an open mind with everything. You think, you know, something and then somebody listen, yeah. you know, there's, there's always more to learn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, wonderful advice. And it, <laughs> it seems to have, you know, served you well. So far, um, good. Exactly. It's been great hearing about your journey. Excited to see where Silvering goes next. Can't wait to see you in retail stores, uh, you know, across North America. Um, thank you so much for helping change the narrative around uh, women's hair going great, including ageism, but not just ageism. And I wish you all the best with, uh, with all of your new projects. And thank you for making time today. Oh, Ava, thank you. It was really, it was really fun chatting with you today. And again, I, I'm also very thankful for the work that you're doing, you know, bringing, oh, thank you so much. bringing, bringing different points of view and women's stories forward. Um, like I said, if you can see it, you can be it. Mm. And the more women exactly. who hear it and who see it, they're like, I can do that. And you know, of course you can. Absolutely. Well, I'm sure this conversation is going to inspire a few women thinking of venturing to beauty or already, uh, already working in that industry. So thanks again. Pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to the Brandis Female Podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you to our editor, Isabel Morris, and our editorial manager, Mackie Domingo. Thank you to TD Women and Enterprise for their support of The Brand is Female. You've got it in you to succeed. Let TD help guide you. Visit thebrandisfemale.com to learn more. Yeah.